Welcome back to another episode of the Nothing To Do Podcast. I am your host, Jeremy. And today is a very special day. Not only is it the three-year anniversary of the Nothing To Do Podcast, it is also the beginning of what I hope to be, to, for it to be a very fruitful and fulfilling chapter of this show. We have a guest here today. We kick it off with a special guest, an L.A. native, <laughs> and she's been here long enough here in Providence where we consider her one of our own. Please give it up for Viva Sandoval. Viva, <laughs> Viva, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I am good. I'm actually, I, I was just saying this. Um, I was saying this before we, you know, I pressed the record button just now. I'm a little bit more nervous than I usually am on this, uh, on my own show, having you. I'm really excited to have you. I will say, Viva, you, I don't think I've ever seen you not smiling. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen you not smiling, which is like, it's, it's awesome. I don't, I've never met somebody with like, with such positive energy like you. And I'm really happy to have you on here today. Um, how are you? How are you doing? I'm good. I have my coffee. Yeah, yeah. Got a good night's rest. Mm -hmm. and I'm ready to chat. <laughs> that's great um now for those of you who don't know viva uh is an educator like myself um and she has been doing this for how many how long have you been doing this now um so technically full-time this is my second full-time year okay but in terms of being in a position where i'm in a sort of like mentor, educator, tutor vibe. I've been, it's been um, eight years. Eight years? Yeah. Damn, that's mad long. What were you doing before? Like before, before. The school we're at now. Like before, yeah, before the school we're at right now. Um, I did a master's program. We so also, we work together, by the way. Yeah. We, we, <laughs> work, we work at the same school, um, which will remain anonymous for, for the time being. But my, what were you saying? Um, I went to, I was in a master's program when I got my master's in teaching, and I was actually at Hope High School in Providence. Mm -hmm. And then before that, I was in undergrad studying history, okay. knowing that I wanted to be a history educator. So that was really dope because I was able to, like, relax during undergrad and not be one of those college kids that's like, what am I going to do with my life? You right, know? right, right. I was like, I'm going to be an educator. And I think that gave me an edge in college in my classes, like, as a aspiring educator because I was able to learn. I love learning. And that's yeah. partially why I love teaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I love just learning why things are the way they are, especially mm. in this country. And so I was able to learn so much because I came from a high school that was pretty, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, very different from where we're at right now. Very weak academically. Sure. Um, there was a couple standout teachers, but like overall, you know, the trend of the school in terms of like scores was not that great. And... So being in college is really fulfilling, so I got to learn, but then I would watch all my professors as an educator and be like, how are they engaging me right now? Like, what are they doing to, to get me interested in this topic? And so that was cool. And then every summer in between within undergrad, I was always doing something, like, teaching-related, mm. whether that was, like, uh, Breakthrough. I did Breakthrough, which, uh, New York, which is, like, a... It's like an organization, kind of like a scholarship organization, but for middle school to high school students mm. that when they're in middle school, they do summer academies to kind of like get them ahead. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. in high school, they provide them resources, scholarships. It's really dope. And they have branches all over the country. So I got to be in New York, which was cool. I did a different program where I was like, I think it's a bit problematic that they grouped these two together, but they were students mm. that either had uh, special learning needs or had disciplinary problems. And they were okay, in this yeah. program where they're, like, doing all these crazy challenges and, like, it, yeah. So I've always been in some sort of, like, mentorship Just or educator, educator capacity. Mm -hmm. That's dope. That's crazy. That's, like, so different than, like, sort of what got me into this space. Mm -hmm. So y do you feel like it's, like, you went to school and, like, you knew for the most part what you wanted to do when you went to... And you went to Brown, ladies and gentlemen. She went to Brown, <laughs> first of all. All right? There's only... I know, like, three people that went to Brown. One of them's my sister. One of them's Viva. All right? Like, that's pretty... That's pretty crazy. I thought... Did you get your... Was it just undergrad at Brown, or was it just... And, and then I stayed for an extra year to do my master's. Right. Damn. Well, that's... That's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I don't know. For me, it was different, because, like, I, I went to... 
I started my career like as a business major, mm. and then I spent my I spent like four years in New York doing sales, project management, all that, and like. Uh, but it's funny because I've always like um, I've always been in a sort of not educator, but like in a childcare capacity since like I graduated from middle school, mm-hmm. and um, and it's just funny. Like I I came back here in 2020, and like I the t- the TA position opened up where we work. And, um, and I thought it was going to be temporary. I thought it was going to be here. I was like, I don't want to stay in Providence. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that too is because like I growing up here in Providence, it's like, I have that mentality of like, this is like a small town and I want to go do big things somewhere right. else, whether it's like New York right. or Spread your fucking wings. LA, check, whatever it is. Exactly. Um, and so I thought that was like gonna be temporary, and then I'm just like I'm like look. Not only am I like in it, you know, I I made the decision to to pursue like the MAT program, uh, like February of last year, like halfway mm-hmm. through last year. I was like, you know what, I, I'm gonna commit to this, and it's like, and but it's funny because I look back at my time. It's just like I've been I've been in a capacity like this, whether it's like working at summer camps, tutoring kids, babysitting mm-hmm. kids. Mm-hmm. Since I was like 15, 16, right. right? Even in New York, I had like a part-time gig, like proctoring SATs mm-hmm. and like doing, and like, so I'm always in that capacity. And then like, I find myself in 2020, just like being a TA and thinking like, it's going to be more like, okay, like make copies for me here, you know, do this for me mm-hmm. there. But I'm very much like the second teacher in the classroom and, um, and then I kind of just had to like, I just had to, I made the decision. I was like, this is like, from, this is fulfilling work and this is good work. I enjoy coming to work every day for mm-hmm. better or for worse. Mm-hmm. Cause like we know the headache it can be like as an educator coming in <laughs> every day, especially oh, yeah. with like this age group. Cause I, did you work a lot with like high schoolers? Mostly. Most, you were right. You worked yeah. a lot with high schoolers. Mostly. So it's like this age group that we're at right now is just like a lot more cringy. And then, like, especially for you, because you teach middle school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you teach middle school. <laughs> and the demographics, which will, like, of the right, middle school, right. which we'll get into later. But, like, yeah. I also, like, I went from, like, kindergarten, second grade to kindergarten to back to second grade. Uh-huh. Which isn't as cringy, but it's just a lot more of a headache but in a lot a of ways. that's a different kind of headache. I think we yeah, both yeah, have yeah, headaches, yeah. but in different ways. You right. Because I have the headache that's, like... Preteen anxiety, yeah, social, angst, like awkward, awkward, yeah. like weirdos. Yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah. a weirdo, so you know I can handle it. But you have like little little people that need things, you know what right, I mean? Right, like, right, and that's right. like a or like that don't have like emotional regulate. I mean, the middle schoolers also don't have emotional regulation, but right. they're so self conscious that they end up regulating a little bit. Right, yeah, yeah. Where yeah. you just got the little like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my God, I was with the, I was with the the, the three year olds the other day. Oh I had man. to stay there for like it was the first time I was with that age group, mm. and it was a fucking zoo. Like I couldn't. <laughs> I, I was like, I don't know how they do this. Like yeah. God bless, right? You know the teachers in that space. Um, I'm not built for that. I'm not built for that at all. And I'm and even then, like I'm in second grade right now, mm-hmm. and it's nice in the position I'm at. But to have to lead that class every day, I don't think that would be like mm-hmm. I my um my goal is to be um like a a math teacher in middle school. Like fifth grade, sixth like or fifth, like fifth, sixth, yeah, yeah. Just okay. like fifth, sixth grade fifth, sixth grade. Yeah. Even I'll do it in like eighth grade too. Um but that's that's sort of like where I wanna be at. Cool where math? I'm like Okay, STEM. Yeah, yeah. I wanna be <laughs> I'm gonna be that the STEM dude at, at, at school. Yeah. Um you know, ironically, I told myself the one thing I would never do was middle school. Oh, yeah. And I just, like, made my own bed in that. You right. Know? Like, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm and never And you're coming back, too. And, then, and you're coming back, <laughs> yeah. which is dope. Because um, I feel like I've, I've spoke, I've talked to you. I mean, I've talked to you about this before, and it seemed like you weren't, like, super gung-ho about Like, you were very much up in the air about returning mm-hmm. to our school. Um, yeah. Is there, like... What like what sort of like made you want to stay for this third year? Come back for this third year? Um, it's a combination of things. One of the biggest factors I think is just um, the freedom that I have at our school to teach the way that I want to teach the content yeah. that I want. Mm-hmm. Like I have complete institutional trust to yeah. do it my way, and you know I teach eighth grade humanities, and the majority of our curriculum is centering 
like stories of oppression and like difficult histories. Mm. You know, we have an immigration unit. We got a Holocaust unit, Japanese internment unit. And mm -hmm. then right now we're on a civil rights unit, mm -hmm. which is just like censoring blackness and anti-black racism. So that's heavy stuff. And right now in a lot of parts of the country, that's the stuff that's being attacked, you know, yeah. that's being banned. And so to be in a, I recognize very, with a lot of gratitude that I'm in a space right now that's pretty exceptional considering the yeah. climate. And um, I think that trust that I have from my, like, the above people um, and from the parents and from the community in general r has really allowed me to just elevate my curriculum, which I've built from scratch. Like, I basically kept the titles of the units that they gave me sure. and changed yeah. everything underneath. Yeah. Um, because I love it. Like, mm -hmm. it makes, and I want to do it my way. I'm a little, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, no, of course. Because it, it, every educator should do it their way. That's what makes the class powerful, I think, is when it, like, comes authentically from right. the ways that they're able to frame and talk about or whatever. So that was a big factor. But then a really, another huge factor is just, like, I have not had many years of stability over the past six years. Mm -hmm. I've been, this is my seventh year in Providence. Yeah. And so undergrad was just chaos because I did too much. Mm -hmm. You know, I was a student that was working, performing, being a student. Yeah. Like just trying to balance too much. And ironically, right. I told myself, <laughs> I always like make my, like I manifest uh, <laughs> like, if yeah, I, yeah, yeah, like okay, on accident. Yeah, yeah. The op like I was in high school doing too much. So I was like, when I get to college, I'm doing nothing. Like I'm going right, to learn yeah. and I'm going to chill and, and I'm going to maybe party Brown a little University. bit. <laughs> 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 yeah. When I got there, there's all this dope right. stuff happening. So I was right. like, Oh, I got to join everything. Right, right, <laughs> right, right. And now I have resources for the first time. So you of best course, believe exactly. I'm going to take advantage of this. And then on top of everything, I feel like Brown University is like where you don't want to go. If you just want to like chill. For yeah. No, years, ex you know? yeah, right. yeah. That's fast. Um, exactly. And then I did the one year master's program, which was OD like, yeah. You know, to fit yeah. in a master's degree in a year means they're going to put you to work. Facts. And as you know, you know, you're pursuing that that degree, the MAT right now. And it's like hella work because you're yeah. learning, but then you're also expected to do some teaching. Mm -hmm. And then you also have to get certified by the state. So that's yep. a whole nother process. Yep. So it's just yep. hella work. And so following the master's program, I had my first year in a new school, first time, full time. Mm -hmm. So that it on its own was like so yeah. much work because I'm building a curriculum from scratch every day. So like I get home from school, it depleted, exhausted. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, what am I teaching tomorrow? Mm -hmm. So that's a couple hours of research and then curating, making yeah. things accessible. So low key, like when I was considering whether to stay or go this year, I was really thinking like, do I want to completely destabilize myself mm -hmm. after yep. having put in the work for a first year at a spot where now I've built a curriculum and then just dip to a new city, new state, new school, new house. Like that was just like, you know, it's a lot. It's a, it's yeah. a lot. And I have a good thing going. Yeah. Now we can talk about the difficulties of this space. They exist. Oh my God. Very yeah. present in my everyday. I yeah. think about them every day. Yeah. But if we're thinking about which one outweighs the other, I think the stability and freedom yeah. that I have and institutional support, like my boss is dope. Yes, my coworkers that, are dope. That's, yeah, that's one thing I, I got to agree with. Like the support yeah. that you have at this space because mm -hmm. they want to see you. Thrive. Like thrive, right? Absolutely. And I've been in, like, I and I've taught in spaces, and and this is coming from, like, the MAT program. I've, I've taught in, like, public school spaces mm -hmm. where that doesn't seem to be the case. And I've had, like, you know, professors and other people tell me that that's not, the, so sometimes it does feel very much every man for themselves, yeah, so like to speak. Yeah, like on an island. Uh, which is, like, tough. Which is, And which is why, like, I would love to, like, start my career off. I mean... I think moving forward, eventually, like, finding a new space, a new setting mm -hmm. would be good for me as an educator and just for my career. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like there's just no other better place to learn and get it down than the space that we're at right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Yeah. Facts. And it's funny that you bring up sort of the frustrations. <laughs> I don't know if I want to get into that just yet. No, and, we we could come back to and, that. And my and and you know my loyal my loyal listeners my my fucking ten listeners have <laughs> here they've heard me like talk some shit <laughs> about what we're talking about right yeah. now. Um, but it's um, you know what? Let's just get into it. I mean, it's it's a there's a couple front there's, you know what? I'll I'll give you the floor on this. What what what. 
what is frustrating about um, working in this like predominantly white space? Mm-hmm. Um, and this like, and, and not only predominantly white, but it's just like, and I guess it's implied a little bit in a way. There's just there's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in this space, mm-hmm. so to speak. So it's just like I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it's honestly like I'm fr- I I'm frustrated with it, and I feel like it's got to be worse in middle school mm. dealing with a lot of stuff because like now kids are more aware. Like kids are on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Kids can be meaner, mm-hmm. and they could say more fucked up shit. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the consequences like are can be a lot heavier mm-hmm. with that age group like when you know where they're transitioning into young adults and s- this is sort of like a very important time to sort of try and nip a lot of that fucked up behavior in the bud I, it's coming from where i'm standing i'm curious as to like what you see in it with regards to all of that mm-hmm. yeah i think <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. There's and also, <laughs> I know, hold on, hold on, hold on. I will preface this by saying I know I've been fucking reckless on this show about how I talk about our space, and we did preface this conversation by saying how much we love, uh, love where this, we where we love teach this space. So you for sure. you f- you share yeah, you share yeah. how much as you feel comfortable yeah. about sharing. Yeah. Um. <laughs> or, or, yeah. Yeah. So go ahead. Go ahead. Heard go you. Ahead. Heard you. Yeah, I start off by saying, I mean, I just talked about it, like the gratitude I have for this space. The I chose to stay because of how good, like I f- know that I have it, mm-hmm. but that does not mean that there isn't also struggles. And mm-hmm. you know, it's a yes and. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. this year in particular, the biggest struggle for me has been. Um. I was raised in a way that you give respect to everyone, period. Absolutely. And I'm not talking about that blind respect, that that or authoritarian parents, parenting style where it's like, do what I said because I said it, because I'm the adult and you're the child and mm-hmm. do what I said. Yeah. Like, not that type of respect, because that type of respect, I think, is dangerous mm-hmm. because it's mindless and it allows young people... I feel like when young people are taught like that, they become obedient in a way that could make them obedient to the wrong people in the future. Mm-hmm. You get me? Yeah. Like to somebody that's just in a powerful position, whether that's social power or whatever. So I don't, like, I'm not talking about that type of respect. I mean, like, the humanness, like, to see somebody, to acknowledge somebody, you know, and, like, say, like, I see you. You don't have to literally say that, but to communicate that, whether it's with my body language, with a greeting, you know, with a question. And this year I've noticed more than I've ever noticed the lack of social abilities when it comes to the young people. Mm. And I'm talking about the whole middle school. Like, my grade in particular, (laughs) they're special Mm -hmm, in their own way in the ways that they have made me feel invisible. Okay. Sometimes. Yeah. But I'm talking, like, the whole middle school. Like, I'll walk down the hallway and, like, I'll pass all these young people and I, like... I make eye contact with people. I try to say hi to people and people will just dodge me, like duck me. Like the, I will say hi right. and they'll just the eyes straight ahead. Keep walking. Sure. Yeah. And I'm like, bro, what? Like, yeah, yeah, who, yeah. Who are you? Like, why are you? I'm a person that's passing you and trying to say what's up. Yeah. The bare minimum. Mm-hmm. And they won't even look at me now in my own class. For the first, like, I want to say month, two months this year. Most of my students, not all of them. There was a couple that tried, but most of my students, and this has never happened to me before, would walk into my classroom and not acknowledge me. Yeah. Like, at all. Mm-hmm. Now, if I acknowledged them, they would then acknowledge me. You know, if I was like, good morning, right. they'd be like, oh, good morning. But it was like, good morning. Right? Like, right, like right. as if I was just like a decorate a decorative piece of right. the space. Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. I wasn't a person. And, like, they're walking into my classroom, and you're not going to say what's up to mm-hmm. me. Facts. Like, and the teacher that you know gives a shit about you. Like, I try right. so hard to show them that. And I know that they know. Yeah. But, like, they just, like, that to me, I could, like, that is on another level of disrespect that I couldn't comprehend. Sure. And truly, for the first couple months, I felt so isolated. I felt so invisible. And there was a couple times where I was like, why am I here? Mm. 
like because I previously worked at a public school with majority low income students of color. Yeah. And in that space, like what you were saying earlier, I was on an island. I didn't have any institutional support. I didn't have any like every single history teacher in their history department was white, was older. Like the youngest one was 35, but she was giving like 40 year old cat lady. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like she yeah, wasn't yeah, yeah. like young in her spirit, <laughs> right? but she was young. Yeah. But she was hella anxious. So like I gave her grace, you know, I wasn't like, but she was the only one that maybe could have been a homie. Mm-hmm. The rest of them were old white people that just like, not my energy, you know, not my people. Yeah. And so that was a struggle in terms of like faculty relationships. But when it came to student relationships, like I felt in community. I remember being like, this feels like I'm back home in East L.A. and Boyle Heights, you know. And I come from a predominantly Mexican community. This Mm -hmm. was a predominantly, like, No mama's way. (laughs) This was more like a (laughs) que lo que, you know. (laughs) Yeah, 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 it's more que lo que. And, like, there was, like, some, like, like Central Americans, too. Mm -hmm. And, like, I just felt like we get it, you know. Yeah, yeah. And especially growing up low income, like. I was able to connect with my students, like, automatic, you know. As soon as they, at first they'd be skeptical because they'd be like, who are you, you know. Mm. Why are you talking to me like this? Like, as if you are trying to know me. Because they're just not used to that. Yeah, yeah. other teachers are whack. But as soon as they realize that this is authentic, that Mm. I'm I'm here, you know, for for all of it, then they're like, wow, like, this is dope. And then we build, like, connections. Mm -hmm. And so this was my first time teaching middle school full-time, teaching white kids ever. And, like, so to be treated like that by these privileged little rich kids that don't Mm -hmm. understand how fucking good they have it. Right. Like, some of them get it. But most of them, I think, they've never been in a tough spot, especially if they've gone to this school their whole life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I know what it feels like to have a teacher that automatically assumes the worst in you, that treats you like shit, that treats you like you're dumb, Mm -hmm. and how badly that can, like, affect your trajectory. And so, like... I know these kids got it good. Cause I also, <laughs> right, I also yeah. put hella work into my class to make sure that they're thriving uh-huh. and interested. And so to be treated like I'm invisible, like I'm meaningless. Yeah. To be ignored. Mm-hmm. Like I almost was like, you know, I'm not, I'm not really interested in coming back because sure. Well, I could, while I'm here being ignored, I could be back at a place like hope where I get to, like, be that critical connection that students have to an adult that potentially mm-hmm. could be a difference maker right. in a critical, like, crossroads moment, you know? Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. I wrote college recommendations for students, like, hella last minute. Yeah. Because they didn't even know they needed it, you know? I, like, I like helped a kid out that was had, like, a, a pregnancy scare moment. Like, I helped them get all the information they needed. And, like, you know what I mean? Like, those moments where you're, like... Like the world is crashing down and you don't know if there's an adult you can trust. And then you got that mm-hmm. one adult. Yeah. Like I was able to be that one adult. Yeah. In this space, like I'm just another teacher that important. cares. That's important, man. Right. That's, that's important. I mean, that, and that, that kind of goes back in terms of like, um, at least about you. I feel like, I feel like you're very suited for this for like how you say like you grew up in a household with respect and with care and like I feel like that's how you move in the hallways in every space you move with care and you're like you're very present and I feel like that's what makes you so suited like I like when I say like I've never seen so like I've never seen you not smile like we play ball we play ball on the weekends and she'll be d'ing you up with like the biggest smile on her face like it's unreal but like that's like and I I think. That's when you like when you I feel like you embody in a way like at least what I'm learning now because I'm in the pro I'm in the MAT program right now. And like you read, you know, theories about best practices, what you mm-hmm. should and shouldn't do. But then you get there and it's tough to embody all of that. And I feel like you you you're like like you embody all that, which is like super important. Um, and I have like so much respect for that. Um and all those frustrations you outline, it's like, I don't, I don't necessarily get that on, on my level yet. Maybe because it's ki- my kids are so young mm-hmm. and they're usually like, just like, they're always happy to see everybody for the most part. Um, I think my biggest frustration and I, and it, it's funny cause it stems from the middle school group because I do that affinity group 
once a month. Oh yeah, tell um, me, tell me. With the Black and Brown Boys, mm-hmm. and it's uh, this year has been a lot more chill. Okay. Um, mainly because there was a lot of boys of color that left last year. And then now, like, this is the last round that we have left. Like, I don't even know if we'll be able to have this affinity group There's next year. There's only one black boy in the seventh grade. Right. Exactly. And the majority of them are right now are in eighth grade. Yeah. I know some may be leaving next year that are going from sixth to seventh. So, like, the numbers, they're, they're going to be looking pretty weak. Yeah. <laughs> like, in the next couple of years. No, like, for real. <laughs> but, like, they were, exp- they've expressed, um... Sort of like the, you see, like I get, I get like really <laughs> open the can of worms right now, but it's just like, I guess for lack of a better word, is sort of like the hypocrisy in our mission and what we, and what we, um, what we stand for mm. and what we strive for. And I don't think it's for, I don't think it's for lack of not trying or not caring or mm-hmm. just like you know, virtue signaling or just, like, presenting this, you know, this idea of what, you know, equality looks like. But I think it stems from that, you know, that 1% demographic that's in our school that, like, is what really runs the school. And, unfortunately, we we are in a school that no matter how much we we want to strive for all these things, um, it's, like, at the end of the day, like, money is what runs, like, the bills need to be paid. Right. Right? And I think, I sometimes I feel like where we work, and these are my words, these aren't hers. These aren't her words, these are my words. <laughs> Just in case. Um, it's just like, I feel like we need, we need a, I feel like we need to take a stand somewhere as, like, the leaders of our community need to take a stand on what we can accept and what we can't accept. I think I there's been so many echoes of just like the bullshit treatment that these black and brown boys have gone through in these last like three, four years as middle schoolers mm-hmm. where they feel like a lot of situations that were maybe racist or sexist or whatever it is, like it wasn't treated. There wasn't that justice that they felt needed to be carried out mm-hmm. because the person on the other a- end pays full tuition mm. or the person on the other end like their family is so-and-so mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and so like i'm just like i always like i always think about like where's the like where do we draw the line like what like i feel like we let too much slide like mm-hmm. for what we present and what we stand for mm-hmm. um and i'm not saying and i'm saying this knowing full well like that it's 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 got to be like hard to make those decisions but, like, especially, like, being, especially last year, like, going, you know, having these meetings once a month with the black and brown boys in middle school. It's, like, especially coming because I, you know, I was a part of this school when I was young as well. So, mm-hmm. it's just, like, it's frustrating to see on that level um, what can be done. Yeah. You know, I hear stories because we had a, we have a affinity group once a week during lunch for all the middle school students of color. And this last one that we did, we broke it up 7th and 8th grade and 5th and 6th grade so that it was a little bit more developmentally, like, together. Mm -hmm. And we just asked them, like, you know, what has it been like to talk about race and racism in class? What Mm -hmm. has your experience been? Have there been any moments that were, like, uncomfortable or, like, problematic? Mm -hmm. And the younger students, or the 7th graders... Mm -hmm. And the eighth graders talking about earlier years spoke about examples of like the wildest shit. Like, yeah, no, yeah. And, and like, uh, and that, like, this is what I was, I was trying to get out in so many words. And I've actually have, there was some particular stuff that I went into a little bit more deep, still like with anonymity, but like, right. you know, a year ago when this first came to my attention, I was like really frustrated. And I like recorded that day when I, when I got home and I was like, <laughs> all right. Cause it's funny. Cause I was reading it in like juxtaposition with reading about, um, sort of like how the Black Lives Matter movement, like the actual organization, came like crashing down. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, "But my bad, go ahead." <laughs> what are you saying? Well, they're like <laughs> yeah, yeah. one example that stood out to me is like this, like little white girl repeated like a a thing that was said in a book mm. that was a an egregious racial epithet that was like as bad as it gets. 
like as bad as it gets, mm-hmm. like truly, like hard R. Yeah. Really, like said it out loud with her chest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then it's like, oh, like I was just, re- I was just reading the book, and right. it's like, no, I don't know. Yeah, like, yeah. But that's to me, what's shocking is like one that obviously that homegirl thought that that was not. Right. OD, you know, right? Like, like she said it with her chest. With her like chest, she said it with her chest. Like as if, like yeah. you know, just because you're reading it, like to replicate mm-hmm. that sort of violent language at all is mm-hmm. obviously so harmful and ugly. Even if it's not your words, like girl, you're saying it out loud. Like right. the impact of hearing that word doesn't matter if you thought of it or if you're reading it. You're mm-hmm. saying it out loud, and you could be triggering people. You could be offending people. Sure. Right? But to me, what was so shocking is the fact that. There was not a very explicit, I'm sure there was though, mm-hmm. a very explicit conversation about how harmful that language is and why we're not going to replicate that language. Yeah. Like, for example, um, in my class right now, focusing on like where we, our civil rights curriculum picks up at Reconstruction and mm-hmm. it basically takes us all the way to like contemporary. And we see a lot of content that has the N-word, but the the one that ends with the O, you know, the ways that black people were just referred to in the early 20th century, Mm -hmm. like within the black community, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's not like they chose that word, but that was the word that they used, like, um, like Elaine Locke's text, the new, you know, um, in my class, what we do is we, I say, like, we're not going to replicate that sort of language, because even though in the past, that was just synonymous with black, Mm -hmm. right, we that word has picked up a different connotation over time. And today, like that word could be very triggering. So we're not gonna, we're not gonna replicate that language in class that could be potentially triggering, mm-hmm. but we're not gonna replace it with something else because we want to honor that that word was there. And at the time, that's what people used. Right. Like bla- that's what people in the black community used. And so instead we just like leave a pause to acknowledge the word and then we read. Mm-hmm. And like any te- materials we're reading, like, we know not to replicate that language and yeah. we just give it a pause to acknowledge it. And like that was something that like every student I repeated like many times to ensure that no one. And I and then I also said, if you accidentally say it like that's real, mm. apologize and move on and do better. You know, it's like yeah. like so to hear that somebody in the lower grade said a hard R out loud. Right. To me is it's it's like th- that says something about the student. But I'm also like, how is this set up? that they don't know that that would be the most egregious right. thing ever. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like yes. the most egregious word that could be said out loud. Absolutely. And like that's like I hear a lot of in the lower middle school kids being like like egregious behavior like that where yeah. they're saying wild anti-black things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like crazy. And I just and I'm like what, you know, cuz I'm hearing this from younger students things from the past mm. and they're telling me these stories at lunch literally two weeks ago or three weeks ago and I'm like you know what did they like how did they handle that like what did they do and they were like oh they just had a conversation with them mm. we ended up actually talking about like like something else in the you know and I'm just like like because if that went down in my class like I would come <laughs> for that student right but in a way that's like deeply emotional like I would sit that student down yeah and I'd be like you know I I use my own discomfort as a way to teach a lot so like one time my students were disrespecting my class so intensely in terms of like taking my things breaking things leaving trash on the floor like Mm -hmm. just really like disrespectful and entitled very privileged and I come from such a low-income background. I used to help clean people's houses with my parents, which mm. was the way that my mom was, like, making money, you know. So, like, cleaning up after rich people is not something I'm not familiar with. Yeah. So to have to do it right. for these kids when I am employed to teach them and to guide them, not yeah. to clean up after them, that hit me deep. And yeah. after, and I, but I'm, the way I was raised is, like, I'm not going to be living in a dirty space. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I will clean. Because this is our space. It's my classroom. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to live like that. But I finally like got too tired of it. So I told my students one day, I came in and I was like, I got to get something off my chest. Yeah. And I said very bluntly, like, this is my experience with what I just said. You know, I've cleaned in the past. Da, da, da. Mm-hmm. When I have to clean up after you, it makes me feel like, like I'm back there. It makes me feel like you think that I am here to just serve you and to like, right. you know, and I, like I'm in a position of inferiority 
and like da 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 da. And I'm like, it makes me feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It makes me feel like, you know, a little bitter. And like, you now know that you're making me feel this way, and you can choose if you're going to continue to treat me this way. Yeah. Or if you're going to take accountability for our space and help me clean up. Because whether or not you change your behavior, I will continue to clean up after you. Right. And, and like when I speak in, to them in that way, they usually are like, we're sorry. Oh, my God. We're so, like, you know, mm. they, they get so shook because I center my feelings. Like I say, you're making me feel invisible. Yeah. And they're like, you know, I'm not like, you're being a bad kid. Like you're being so disrespectful. <laughs> right. You right, know, right, right. I'm like, you make me feel invisible. I'm deeply uncomfortable right now. Yeah. And like they're triggered, you know. So if a student said some OD shit like that, I would sit them down and be like, you like of you know course, what I mean? Like yeah. it wouldn't be like you're a bad kid, you're doing bad things. I'd be like, the way that you just made me feel mm-hmm. was blank, 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 you know, like And I think it's important too to like for 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 any educator to like recognize it's just like no, no matter how honestly, this kid this is true for kindergarten all the way up to, you know, twelfth grade, mm-hmm. where like no matter how aware or unaware you think a student may be, like stuff like that resonates with Absolutely. people. And kids, no matter how young, they can pick up on certain energy and on certain vibes and on, and on what you're giving towards mm-hmm. them. So I think it, it is important not to like, and like I'm learning about this too in terms of like not approaching the classroom in terms of like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm your teacher. I'm your boss. Right. You like guys do what I say. Yeah. Very authoritarian. Yeah. Um, and I think having those conversations, it's like you're, you're treating you're treating students with a sense of like agency, with a sense of autonomy. And like you're like and you're reminding them like you're a fucking real person. Yeah. So I'm going to talk to you like a real person. Exactly. Doesn't yeah. mean you have to like cuss them out. Doesn't mean no. you have to be like, you know. Yeah. But that. Yeah, that's. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. But I am conflicted, though, because I don't think that the teachers of color should be the ones that have to always do those things. It, right. Yeah, yeah. So that's where I feel like. The, the really like dissonance for me because yeah. a lot of the stories that I was hearing from students, these moments happened with white students towards students of color, but mm-hmm. in a white teacher's space. Right. And then the way that it got handled yeah. was some, and like that kind of made me feel like that I would not have handled it that way. Right. You know, but, and so there's a part of me that wants to be like, if, and I tell my students, like, if that happened in my class, <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. would be different. <laughs> like, right, you know, right, right. but then at the same time, like, like, why are we the only ones that are handling it? You know, like, mm. we shouldn't be the only ones that can handle it in a way that's impactful, mm-hmm. in a way that feels real. And I feel like that's one of my biggest problems with this school is that I don't like how other teachers handle conflict sometimes. Yeah. I think it's either authoritarian, like... Right. Or it's so dismissive of the harm that was caused. Yeah. Like, if somebody said a racial epithet in my class like that, Mm-hmm. it would be a moment, you know, yeah. like that would be a whole thing. But I did get to experience a moment recently where a white teacher stepped up and it was a white teacher that I felt kind of sus about for a little bit because she said something one time that made me feel weird. Nothing egregious, but something that just rubbed me weird. And I was like, I feel like I know who it is. Why'd you say that? I think I you like probably I do. I'll th- after this, I'll play the game. But she said something one time I was like, Shut up. You know, in my mind, I'm yeah, just like, shut yeah, up. Yeah, like, yeah. just don't talk. Like, right. you don't need to talk. But anyways, I had, I run the multiracial student group at okay, lunch. Yeah. That's once every, like, cycle. And this little, like, white-looking girl came up to me one time with the with one of the girls of color and was like, um, can I come to Mosaic? Which is, that's what the group is called. Can I come yeah. to Mosaic? Like, I'm multiracial. Like, and I was like, oh, like. Are you no? She said, "Can I come to Mosaic?" And I was like, "I mean, are you are you multiracial? You yeah. know?" And she yeah, goes, yeah. "Yeah, like I'm Asian." And I was like, "I mean, if you're Asian, like for sure, pull up, you know." Right. She looks white, right? So she's like, "Okay." And then I find out that homegirl's not multiracial. Like she's hella white. Oh my god! So I don't know if this is the same person. <laughs> I mean, I'm a, did I cut? Was there? Is it more? Yeah, there's the story? more. There's go ahead, more. Go ahead, okay. go ahead, go ahead. So I started getting so anxious because I'm like, oh, my God, like this girl's going to come. And then I heard other students being like, is she coming? Is she coming? Like, yeah, she's on her way. And I was like, oh, like because I I knew when she got there, I was going to have to be like, girl, like this is not for you. Right. But 
I felt so like mortified because I didn't want to call her out in front of everyone. And of course I wouldn't do it in front of everyone, but even me being like, yo, can I talk to you outside? And then she doesn't come back. We know what happened. Right. Right. So I was so stressed and I like was just getting more and more anxious. I kept thinking, how would I practice having that conversation? But then it would make me too anxious. So I would just be like, I'm going to wing it. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to yeah. wing it, you know, like, <laughs> right. But they reached out to one of that girl because she's in the lower middle school, her teachers and told the teacher and the teacher came and was like, oh, I'll talk to her. And I was like, oh, please, like, thank you. That would be right. so great. And she's like, yeah, I got you. So she pulls up at the beginning of lunch, the teacher, and she's like, yo, is she here? Is she here? And I was like, no, she's not here yet, but could you intercept her so uh, she doesn't ever get here? Right. And she's like, yeah, I got you. I got yeah, you. Yeah. So she intercepts her. I don't hear anything about it. She never shows up. But I hear the students in my space being like, where is she? Like, I thought she was coming. And then one of them is like, a teacher stole her. Like, and I'm in my mind. I'm like, right. girls, why are you all mad? Like, she's white. Like, right. Right. Like, it's like, yeah. like, I know you like her, but this isn't for her. You know, like, why are you being right. all about it? But I think she low key kind of tricked them unknowingly or mm, that she was multiracial because she's okay. Portuguese. And like, she was some like Just North like, Middle Eastern, but like not the Middle Eastern, like the white people in. Right. I forgot what, but whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But she interpreted that as multiracial. Yeah. But it's like, you know, you, you, you have mul multiple countries in your background, but you're white. Like, you know what I mean? Right, right. But so I never even had to have the conversation. I text the teacher after the fact, like, hey, how did that conversation go? And she sends me the most beautiful text where she says, you know, we talked about blah, 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 blah. And all the points were hitting. And she said, you know, thank you so much for letting me be a part of this because this student has been a bit of a problem and I've wanted to step in yeah. for a while now. So, like... Because she's been just taking up a lot of space, you know. Yeah, she's yeah. a dope student, super funny, super sweet. Yeah. But, you know, just, like, not as a, like, a theater personality can be very. Yeah. Mm, right, and right. And not aware of how much space they're taking up. Right. So I didn't have to do nothing. And that student never tried to come to my group again. And that was the one That's moment yeah. that I was like. All and right. I, and I'm glad. And I'm, All right. You right. stepped it up. Like, you redeemed yourself. Right, right. And I'm glad that on, like, the faculty level, at least, like, the leadership level, like, someone stepped in there. Yeah. Because that's that's sort of what, like, I echoed earlier in terms of, like, what's frustrating mm -hmm. in dealing with things like that in this space. And I also, like, it also, I mean, I don't want to dive too much into this because I you don't, do you have to be anywhere? Mm -mm. Okay. Because... All right, that's what she's <laughs> good to know. It's good to know. Um, like, and they be, because of stories like that, on top of you know, other things that we deal with in terms of you know how we interact with each other, um, how we how we go about um, making space for different types of identities and all of that. It makes I sometimes I like, question how much, like, how much. I don't want to say harm because I think it's very important that like we that that our education is based around all of this stuff. I want to say like leaves them at a disadvantage in terms of moving forward mm. after this space because like there's they really especially especially in Rhode, in Rhode Island there's not too many educational spaces like the ones that we teach in mm -hmm. that makes that makes space in the way that we make space for all identities for mm -hmm. all people mm -hmm. right um because i had a, i had a similar and and i had a similar thing happen because i do um one of the teachers that heads up there's been affinity groups like in middle school these last couple weeks mm -hmm. and so i was asked to help with the latino one and i did it with um with the with the Spanish teacher in seventh grade. Got you. And we get there. There's only four of them, and they're all like they all pass as like white, mm. completely. Like I honestly didn't. Besides one of them, I didn't know that they were Latino mm. until like they were in the affinity group. Right. Right. The students. You which mean. is which is fine. Yeah, the students. The Got students. You. Oh yeah, they're so white they're passing. In this right. School. And then, but then I had a conversation with this teacher before they came, and she's like, "So this person right here." They're in this group. They don't have any Latino background. The reason why they're in this group and w why they're, we're letting it slide right now is because this person says that they are Latino because they lived in Mexico for like four nah, years. Nah, shut that shit down. And what? because <laughs> because their gender identity, um, they've been like, uh, I'm trying to say this without being... Uh, 
they they're they've been not questioning, but you know they've been exploring their gender identity uh-huh. recently. That okay. because of that, and there may be some confusion that they're just gonna let it rock. And I'm no. just like, no, 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 no. no. Like, I, and in, no. in my head, I was like, absolutely not. Like, bruh, gender is not race. Like, right, right. And it's you not, cannot question your like racial identity is not fluid. Transracial people, they're fake. Like, thank that's you. not real. Yes, yes. We don't <laughs> like, need no Rachel Dolezal's, um, no Sean like, Kings in our space. I feel our, like in if anything, space. encouraging that student to explore the affinity space is hella problematic. Like, exactly, and that's and that's that's. That's sort of like what I'm saying in terms of just like not we're not preparing. Like first of all, that's harmful, just outright. That's and then like right and then like so I'm glad that there was somebody like at least in your situation that like sort of made like made it clear like this is who like right this is what this means and this is what right because she was multinational right but that's not multiracial girl right. Right. And she's walking through this world as a white woman. It doesn't matter if she got these different country backgrounds like she like walks through the world as a white woman. And then, you know, what's so so funny? (laughs) The last sentence of the text that that teacher sent me, she said, like, I called her mom and she's fully on board with her being identified as white. Uh, (laughs) That's great. That's great. That's great. I was like, cool, cool. Oh, man. (laughs) I mean, like, yeah, we could we could go all day in terms of you know just picking apart the nuances of yeah of where we where we teach. That's but weird though that they let that student stay on. Like yeah, that. I don't think I I honestly well I was expecting them to come and I don't think they ended up coming that day. I don't know why. I hope it was for that same reason that your student didn't come that day. But I'm like this partly you know this teacher's telling me like filling me in on sort of this stuff and I'm just like. What the fuck? What? Like, what the yeah. fuck is going on? I was like, middle school is like a whole different beast mm-hmm. in that space. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah. So you've been in Providence for like eight years now. Mm-hmm. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Good, bad. No, I love it. Do you I love, love Providence? It. Absolutely. I think. Fuck yeah. She loves yeah. Providence. She's one of ours <laughs> I love <now>. Providence. <laughs> <laughs> I think. The food in Providence is amazing. I yes. think the people in Providence are dope. I'm, you know, what's cool. I uh, in my class on Monday we did a case study looking at we we're studying like histories of segregation and redlining. Mm-hmm. So we started broad, and then we did a case study which is in Providence, Rhode Island, mm-hmm. and we looked at Providence history of redlining and yep. and like housing covenants and all that stuff, and just looking at the demographics of Rhode Island and how different the four core cities within Rhode Island are, which is like mm-hmm. Providence, Woonsocket, Pawtucket, and Central Falls. And just like the dramatic contrast between these like cities within the like close to capital mm-hmm. versus the rest of Rhode Island. Yeah. And Rhode Island is white as fuck. Yeah. Yeah, but I, Providence is like... I'm so blessed yeah. to be like in this space because I don't really go to greater Rhode Island, you know, that's yeah. not my business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like... Ever since I came to Providence and have been in Providence, like being close to other populations of people of color has been so comforting to me, especially coming from a background where like there was no diversity. Everyone was Mexican. Yeah. Like my schools that I went to were always my elementary school. I don't remember anyone that wasn't Mexican. Mm -hmm. My middle school, which was two thousand five hundred students. I remember there was two black kids, one white girl that transferred out. Mm And there was no Asian students. Everybody else was Mexican. Like, you know, so I just have always been entrenched in a Latino community. And so then to come over here and, like, you know, to live in places where I'm, like, surrounded by black and brown people and just by, like, different cultures has Mm -hmm. been so beautiful. And I've been so grateful to also have exposure to, like, other Latinos because I never really knew other Latinos before I came to the East Coast. Yeah. So then some, like, my best friends are Dominican and Puerto Rican, and, like, mm-hmm. to then, like, get to experience their cultures with them mm-hmm. through food, through, like, right. trips. Like, my best friend is from Puerto Rico. She grew up there. Mm-hmm. And, like, she, like, has taken me, and I've gone to see the house she grew up in and, like, go to the her favorite beach and, like, you know, just, like, be with her in the, at her grandma's house. You know, like, it's been so beautiful. And so yeah. Providence has given me exposure to, like, people and cultures that I've never gotten to be around. That's like adjacent, but it's still different. Exactly. Right, right, but right, I, right. So I feel in community right yeah. away, even yeah, yeah, though yeah. 
we're coming from different places. And then we get to be like, oh, you do this, I do yeah, this. Right, like, right, right, you right. call beans that, I call them this, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's been so like, it's been so beautiful. It's like meeting like family you've never met before. Yeah. That you're like, you're my cousin. Yeah, yeah. makes sense, makes yeah. sense. And like, it's been dope. And I think Providence is just so unique because they're, you can find everything. Yeah. You can find like one percenters in Providence and you can find yeah. low income communities in Providence. Like it is such a mix. And yeah. like, we can talk about, you know, all of the, the poverty and segregation that's a product of like systems. Mm -hmm. But, um, as someone that was an outsider that came in, like I felt immediately like at home. And though you know, the winter's kinda crazy. <laughs> the winter the cold, well, the cold the is cold different. The That's cold probably different. just my least favorite part is just the cold, because I'm from LA, you know, sunny SoCal. Right, right, right. So it's that was definitely an adjustment. But even then, like the novelty of winter was kinda cool because I'd yeah. never gotten it before. So I was like, Oh, this is cute. Like there's For like snow. the first two years and then it's just <laughs> yeah, like fuck yeah. this shit. <laughs> I was last year. I was fucking. I was shoveling this fucking driveway for like five hours. And we had <laughs> a huge snowstorm. I was miserable. But I do like. I always like. Um, I like to hear people's perspective on Providence that didn't grow up here in Providence. Because I mentioned this earlier too. Growing up here in Providence, and 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 when I think about it, and I like, I'm I'm grateful to be back here. Cause and I have literally all my families here. Mm -hmm. Um, and. I'm sort of seeing, like, I'm experiencing Providence in a new chapter in my life, mm -hmm. and I'm trying with new lens. Um, but it's very much like I can get stuck in that like small town vibe, which mm -hmm. I feel like you can find anywhere, no matter how. Like, even coming from LA, like, I feel like, you know, there's if you don't leave, you, know, you say you're from East LA. If you don't leave East LA, like, you can feel like trapped in East LA, so mm -hmm. to speak. Um, and that's the reason why, like, I wanted to leave so bad. I just, I, I hated feeling like I was gonna be trapped here, and then like I wasn't gonna like do anything with sort of the opportunities that I had. Mm -hmm. And now I'm in a space where I was just like, you know, Providence isn't that bad. And it's also just like it turned into like a really fucking hip town. Like, there's so much to do. There's a lot of art downtown and like the, the jewelry the jewelry district is great like there's yeah. places like troop now right. and like revival now which is dope crib. uh crib is fucking right. dope i was there for my birthday a couple weeks ago mm -hmm. um and it's just it's just um i'm learning to love providence in like a new way now yeah which is great and i'm, I'm learning to be grateful um and gratitude is something because i kind of wanted to talk about this too a little bit like how do you, I feel like, I feel like that's part of your thing. I feel like you are really, go listen to part two available right now on all platforms. Thank you.